I'm AJ Bianco from Podcast PD, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows in the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, welcome back. Steve here, and today I'm talking with John Willis. He's a consultant and master coach with Sibme, a professional learning platform. Oh, there's so much cool stuff to learn today. You're going to enjoy this one. Thanks so much for listening, and by the way... It would be so, so very cool if you would go to my website, stephenmaletto.com slash reviews and left a review for the podcast. Could you do that for me? You're awesome. Thanks so much. Enjoy the show. Boone Titanium Rings found on the web at boonrings.com is an affiliate partner of Teaching Learning Leading K-12. And I'm also a customer. I have this really cool ring that's got these carved pistons and, and stars in it. I love it. They make rings of titanium that are carved, laser cut, and engraved, as well as they have inlays of many types of materials like meteorite, acrylic, wood, carbon fiber, and so many other types. They also have special collections that are incredible designs. One of the top sellers are the Gamer Rings, the Stealth Series, and the Black Zirconium. As a note, they also make earrings, pendants, cufflinks, and for you musicians, they make cool trumpet mouthpieces. Love it. Go to boonrings.com and at checkout, use my code. Capital T, capital L, capital L, capital K, number 12, and you'll get 10% off your purchase. So go check them out. I love my ring, and I know that you will love yours. You are listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast for educators, helping you help kids achieve their dreams. Now here's Steve with this week's show. John Willis is a veteran educator turned virtual coach. He has been in the education industry for 27 years. John served as a high school teacher for 17 years before becoming a district coach, then coordinator. Now John is a consultant and master coach for SIBME, a professional learning and coaching platform. As a learning and organizational development professional, John helps leaders and teams increase their ability to capture a more comprehensive view of what is happening in the organization and facilitate strategic interventions to move the organization forward. Through analysis of stakeholder competencies and context, as well as organizational culture and conditions, John takes an integrative and collaborative approach to partner with organizational leaders to build capacity throughout the system. A little about SIBME. SIBME was founded by teachers who understand learning and know that most employee training doesn't apply the basic principles of learning design. We were tired of sit-and-get workshops, irrelevant performance reviews, and outsiders that just told people what to do and left. That's why we've built SIBME's software to be people-focused and employee-powered. We believe training should happen from the ground up, not from the top down. SIBME's focus for service, training, consulting, and success teams is empowering you to drive your own success. John, thanks for joining me today, and welcome to the show. Say hi to everybody. Hey, Stephen, and hello, listeners. I'm so happy, so uh, honored to be on your podcast today. Well, glad to have you here, John. And uh, I got to ask you this. You were a high school teacher for 17 years. What'd you like best about working with kids? I was. I was in the in the classroom for several years. I taught ninth grade, eleventh grade, and twelfth grade. Uh, and I think my favorite part was really the productive struggle students working to overcome misconceptions. Because you know, in physics, uh, which is what I primarily taught, there's a lot of misconceptions. There's a lot of confusion about um, physics laws and how they show up in nature. So 
overcoming misconceptions, identifying those patterns in nature. That was really exciting to me. Uh, and also I've had a deep uh, uh, affinity, I guess you could say, for collaboration, collaboration of all kinds, me with my colleagues, but also with students. So I really loved when students worked together uh, and it never, uh, I always continued to be surprised with their ability to embrace the collaborative learning process with each other. So those were some, uh, some of the memories that I think, think about when I think back of those years of uh, working with students. That is excellent. Appreciate you sharing that. So, uh, so you got to tell me, do you have one of those great memories or just something that uh, you won't forget or that just makes you laugh or when it's you're having a tough time, you like to remember this thing? With the back in the classroom? Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, I think uh, probably one of the best memories uh, is when the students were working on projects. I did a little work with uh, project-based learning and uh, remembering uh students coming together and working on those projects and then sharing those with uh, community stakeholders. That was a big deal. But then as I said it, I had another memory that's even better. So there was a point in time where I did flip uh, a flip classroom and I was out of town for a conference and the students had a sub, but I was very concerned about the students still um, getting what they needed from me because we were in the middle of uh, a lot of uh, exciting learning when I left. So I just got online. This is something that we're used to. Uh, we got online to a, a shared workspace and uh, I was able to continue working with the students uh, while I was in between conferences, <laughs> answer any questions and uh, make sure that they were staying on track. So that was kind of fun. I, I think back at that and they got a kick out of it. I got a kick out of it too. So even when I was out of town, they, they, they couldn't get rid of me. <laughs> That's cool. That's very cool. It's just it's on the go teacher here. We're going to be, I'm going to be here and you're going to be there and we're going to work this and we're going to make it happen. I like that. That's it. <laughs> very cool. That's it. Nice Beyond memory. bricks and mortar. Very, that's, that's an awesome memory right there. Yeah. yeah. All right. So we got to take a look at some highlights in your path in education yeah. to get you to where you are now as a coach. So can you do that for us? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, started out with a bachelor's in biology. Uh, not in education. So that meant I started out on a provisional. So I got my broad field certification in secondary science. Uh, I, that was way back in the day. I don't, I don't even know if they do it that way anymore, but I could teach biology, chemistry, or physics. And trust me, uh, no one would want me to teach their children chemistry. So I never taught that. Uh, but that was a a great way to get into first biology and later transition to physics, uh, which was very exciting to me. Uh, I had a lot of passion for that subject and uh, I had fun with that and noticed I started getting into technology. So I was really lucky that early in those early days, I had a class set. It was a cart full of computers that you could check out. And there was also a rolling smart board that you could check out. And no one back then wanted to deal with it. So I kind of had all of these uh, for myself for the most part. So I was uh, checking out laptops and we were doing uh, fun things with integrating technology and also my ability to uh, engage them with lessons using a smart board. So I just enjoyed the technology. But I was, I'm sad to say, it's a little embarrassing. With physics, I realized that I was engaging students at a low cognitive level during class and then sending them home 
to engage in a higher cognitive level with their parents doesn't really make sense. Uh, Parents are happy to work with their children up to a point, but they throw their hands up when it comes to high school physics usually. So um, once it dawned on me and I saw some of the work and research on flipped classrooms, I did it for myself and realized that, hey, I should send students home uh, with a short video where they do the the low cognitive load where I'm introducing a topic. And then when they get to class, we'll dig in together, roll our sleeves up, and get into that high cognitive load. So did a lot of work with the flipped classroom. Um, Later, I joined a STEM school where I helped establish a physics and engineering project-based learning uh, class where students got both physics and engineering credit. Uh, And I was getting to a point where I was starting to share uh, my experiences, as I just alluded to, during conferences, but also with my colleagues and realized, you know what, I really like working with adults, too. So uh, after several years of working with students, I decided I'd pivot and work with adults. So I became a district instructional coach, K-12, um, learned a lot about uh, what real pedagogy looks like at an elementary school <laughs> compared to what a lot of us high school teachers were doing. So had a lot of fun with that. I helped uh, to uh Uh, further develop uh, and enrich uh, what was known in our district as a coach endorsement program for teacher leaders and coaches that wanted to get that endorsement on the teacher certificate. Also played around with a side project called Live Connect, uh, a term I came up with. We had what's known as a network camera. So you could plug this camera in the network and do some fancy things and get that work that camera Uh, no matter where you were in the district, as long as you had Wi-Fi access uh, to the network. So I would bring a group of educators to a common location and we'd gather around and I'd have the LCD up with uh, a teacher or it might be a coach, somebody who's live, you know, in, in the field doing their thing. And I could move the camera around, zoom in, zoom out. The camera would wear, the teacher would wear a uh, microphone around their neck. So we had good audio. And that was a really exciting uh, way to engage uh, adult learners in um, finding exemplars or just having good collegial conversations about work in the field. So I did a little bit of that. But then I came across Sydney. That was a game changer. And um, Every uh, coach endorsement candidate in our program had a Sydney account, and that is what they used to upload video artifacts to a larger portfolio to help demonstrate uh, their proficiency along the Professional Standards Commission standards for coach endorsement. So really exciting. Uh, That was probably a bit long-winded, but that's my evolution uh, from the beginning all the way to uh, where I am now as a consultant working with Sydney and uh, a few uh, school districts. Very cool. So, uh, and not long winded at all. Uh, you did an okay. excellent job of uh, making it concise. So good stuff. I mean, you know, and what's cool is how you, and it, it and I still think it's cool that, uh, you know, you started touching on that coaching thing simply by being away, the virtual thing, simply by being away and still working with your students. So, I mean, I think that's, that's just, there's a little bit of irony there that eventually, exactly. you know, like, you know, seeing into the future. I mean, someone who's writing a novel would <laughs> would say, yes, I was giving you a little bit of insight into what, what was going to happen mm-hmm. in the character's life. So cool stuff. The, exactly. yeah, so let's talk a little bit about uh, um, what SIBME is and what you do for them. 
Yeah, Sydney is uh, really an amazing virtual and blended learning platform, and they support teachers, they support coaches, they support school leaders, uh, they even support t- collaborative teams. Um, and a big belief at Sydney is professional learning should be personalized and it should be job embedded. So that's a big part of it. Uh, and the platform itself promotes reflection, and reflection is a, it's a big deal. Uh, it's a big deal in terms of uh, teacher awareness, uh, but also in terms of adult development. I may talk later about that as well if it comes up. But my role is in supporting teachers. I support coaches. I support local school leaders as assistant principals and principals. Uh, and I even have a couple of district leaders I'll work with as well. And my role is really, in a nutshell, you mentioned it in your intros, to build their capacity to take a more comprehensive view of what they do in their particular seat, improve their skills, improve their perspective, uh, and how they implement what they do. So um, that is SIDME, and that's my role. And I, I could I could answer more questions about what does that look like? What's the day in the life <laughs> of, a, of, uh, of that role in SIDME? But I'll let you decide if you want to go that deep. Thanks. We'll actually get there. Um, because okay. right with this question, one of the things that I wanted to do was talk about what sort of equipment somebody needs to to work with you in uh, through Sydney. You know, is is it? Uh, you know, there's a time. Uh, you know, back in my career where you know everything was lots of very expensive big stuff, <laughs> and right. uh, I don't think we're there anymore. What do you think? No, we're not. And I remember that camera I use for that. A little side project with the district office that I referred to earlier it was this huge behemoth nice. that was heavy, and I had to put it in a big case, and it had wheels, and I had to drag it around. It, it was a big deal. But look, Sydney is—it's um, a technical innovation, but at the same time, it's low tech for the end user. I think that's uh, a big takeaway about Sydney. Um, so any web mobile platform can be used. That's any computer, any tablet, any mobile device is going to work. Uh, they also accept any video extension. So I, I went online and looked the other day. I, I think I counted 38 extensions. I, I don't know if that covers everything, but I can't imagine anyone would uh, trip them up with uh, some video extension they don't have. So they accept it all, and you can upload videos uh, from a – from a from a card from a what do you call it a uh, micro card or it could be that you upload it from a camera the easiest thing is just to upload it directly from your phone so it's really easy yeah oh that's very easy yes that's that is definitely not that giant camera nor other types of computer equipment that i was envisioning so right. uh, cool stuff so now let's shift gears and let's talk about you as uh, you know the life of a coach for sydney what uh so how's that kind of work? Like if I was wanting to work with you? Yeah. Yeah. So let me give you an idea. Let's say, so I work with lots of different stakeholders, but let's say I work with a, a coach. So I'm working with a local school coach. I would go to into my Sydney um, account and I would create a huddle. This is going to be a shared workspace uh, that me and this coach are going to use uh, to be able to interact and because it's such an elegant, easy design, this is going to take me about 30 seconds to set this huddle up, this shared workspace. So then the coach is going to go uh, about their day, and we're going to check in and touch base. And I'm going to say, hey, why don't you upload a video of you doing your thing, of you coaching, a coaching conversation with the teacher. 
let's try to do that here, let's say in the next couple of days. So they go, they record that. And then as I just described, it's very easy. They upload it to Sydney. Here's the thing though. It doesn't go to the huddle. It goes to a private workspace. It always automatically goes to a private workspace. So uh, the person I'm coaching, uh, they might go in there, take a look at the video, just get over it because everybody kind of freaks out at first. So they can get comfortable with the fact that they're yes in a video. They could watch the video. They can edit, trim it down to a, a smaller digestible size that they want to share with me whenever they're ready one click of the button and they can share it into this workspace, this uh, huddle that we just talked about. So now I'll get a notification uh, through email that says that a video has been shared with me. So now I know I can find the time and the space that's convenient for me to be able to sit down and watch this video and start this coaching process. So when I'm ready, I'll go in there and I'll push play and I'll start watching the video. And then I'll see a point where there may be something that I really want to celebrate that the teacher's doing, or there's also going to be a point where there's a growth opportunity. So I want to provide some feedback, right? Both uh, positive feedback and growth minded feedback. So whenever I'm ready, I'll just start typing in a, con uh, a comment box. As soon as I start typing, the video pauses so I can type my comment and I can tag it. For example, bright spot, something positive, uh, idea, if I have an idea, question, if I have a question, and I could even create my own tags. If the school uses a particular framework for coaching that's based on standards, that framework could be uploaded, and I can click and align any comment I make to a particular standard in a framework as well. When I'm ready, I hit enter, and it now goes to a comment section that is growing as I continue to add comments. And those are going to be color-coded by tags. They're going to have um, uh, indication of the, where they are in the framework. And when I'm ready, when I'm done with all of it, one click, and I'll publish all the comments at one time. And guess what? They'll get a notification email that'll let them know, hey, you have a video with some comments. So when they're ready, in their time and in a place of their choice, they can then go and they can read, watch their video of me, of them, and, uh, and my feedback I've given them. So what would they do then? Well, they could, in those comment sections, they could reply to the feedback I've given. So sometimes I may ask a question. So they might want to ask answer that question. They might upload a document to provide context to something that would help me understand more about what they're doing. Um, and the neat thing is that when they go to the comment, they can click on the comment and it goes directly to that location in the video. So notice the comments are annotated, time-stamped to the video. So each comment is queued up with the video so that there's no guesswork as to what exactly is this comment about? It's about that particular spot in the video where the comment is attached or connected. Um, so they could reply, they could upload artifacts. You know, we could have a whole dialogue through the, the platform itself. Uh, what I often like to do is I'll set a meeting, ask them to, you know, watch their own video and review my feedback. And then we'll meet face to face or through Zoom, like we're doing now, and 
we will talk about that feedback. It's an opportunity to reflect uh, and get uh, their thinking around uh, what they're doing in the classroom, kind of increase that awareness and consider what they might do moving forward, might set some goals, identify some strategies, that kind of thing. So uh, I wanted to give you a few details, just to let you know what does this platform look like uh, and what does virtual coaching look like? Um, the same thing could happen uh, not just one-on-one. -on -one. It could be a team that's working together and looking at videos and having those conversations, uh, those collegial conversations about their work. So that's a that's a a little sneak peek of what that looks like. I love that. This is this is cool. I mean, it, and so I I got to go back to something you're talking about, which is yeah. um, what a cool thing that it, it goes back in the to the video clip where what you're talking about <laughs> i mean exactly that's that in itself is just uh, tremendous as yeah. opposed to writing comments about what happened in the class or if you had a video writing comments but you have to go fast forward rewind or whatever to get there and uh that's a little old school i know but in this digital age but still at the same time just to be able to take you back to that um mm -hmm. i can only imagine that's powerful to i mean and time consume uh time saving time saving it's a it's very meta so having a coach or a teacher watching a video of themselves as they're reading feedback of their actions and the students actions in their own video is uh yeah that's going to really go into a deep place quickly and it's just going to increase the transfer rate uh, as coaching does I like that. I like that a lot. So, so let's talk about, I mean, what, why should somebody use a platform like Sibme? Mm -hmm. Well, so it really builds a culture of continuous learning. It empowers teachers. It empowers coaches. It empowers teams to have those more frequent uh, and authentic conversations. Uh, that might've been a better word to have used, you know, when I said, um, they're able to see feedback as they watch their own video. It, it's going to really help them reflect and then lead to a very authentic conversation about what's happening. Um, they can also have those conversations about the challenges that they are facing as well as they're navigating this complex world of teaching and learning with humans, right? Uh, so virtual coaching builds on a participant's capacity to take as I've said a couple of times, a more comprehensive view of their work. Uh, for me, this is a big deal because adult development um, and some of the research I've done around adult development or reading the research of others, that is, is uh, it's about uh, one's ability to increase their social, emotional, and intellectual capacity. And uh, an important way to do that is through perspective, through awareness. And uh, there's no, nothing that does that more than, you know, virtual coaching with videos is to really bring a huge level of awareness. I think coaching uh, should do two things. It should increase awareness and in, increase clarity. I think, you know, if anybody can walk away from a coaching conversation, having a more comprehensive view of their own reality and have clarity about next steps, that's a huge win. And that's what uh, Sydney and this platform does. And uh, so I would, I would end with this. 
a big deal is about reflection, right? And so there's reflect on action, there's reflect for action, and there's reflection in action. So of course, the video virtual coaching is going to be a great tool for reflecting on action. So we're going to upload a video, we're going to watch it, I'm going to provide feedback, we're going to have some discussion about it, we're reflecting on action. Uh, Now, a good coach is also going to have a goal-driven conversation uh, that's going to focus on the future and next steps. What strategy are you going to implement? What's that going to look like? What can we expect students to do? What would it look like for you? So now we're reflecting for action. So that's going to be, uh, we think about the work of Donald Shun and, and the work he's done with reflection in action. He talks about these three levels. So if we can get teachers to reflect on action and reflect for action, so they're actually putting it into uh, practice and implementing, then we've got a huge transfer of the learning into the classroom where it matters. But now we're going to take it one, one step further, Stephen. How about reflecting in action? If I, as a coach, can build the capacity of a stakeholder, whether it's a teacher or a coach or an administrator, then they're going to change, more likely change their mindset and their awareness so that when they are in the moment, they're reflecting. They're, in other words, they're thinking about what they're doing while they're doing it. That's a much higher level of reflection. It's reflecting in the moment, and that's the ultimate goal. That's going to change behavior. That's going to change the actions, uh, and that's going to help make educators much more intentional about the, uh, uh, the, the student learning and the student outcomes that we're seeking. That's excellent. The, uh, and, and, and so this brings me to, because now that we understand all of that, I mean, because, you know, it also, especially if the coach is not, you know, one of the problems in the past of trying to figure out how to, to work with, uh, with teachers is that if you're an administrator or you have any connection to administrator, that there's a, just a little bit, (laughs) and I'm uh, understating probably, um, you know, kind of angst about whether this is really um, for me or uh, for them to document (laughs) as opposed to help. And uh, so I was just wondering if you could talk a little bit about um, some actual examples of how this is, uh, you know, the self-reflection actually helps your coachees. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, I do a lot of work with, uh, you know, there's a coach endorsement for teacher leaders, but this, you know, anyone can get this, even administrators. So I have administrators going through a program that I support where the administrator can get their endorsement. I also work with a lot of administrators through Sydney's virtual coaching platform. But in any case, when working with administrators in particular, uh, one, one dilemma I would say that they face, and I, I, I say sort of dilemma because it may be self-imposed, is this idea of am I, am I an evaluator or am I a coach? Like, I need to have an evaluator hat. I need to have my coach hat. When do I put one on? When do I put the other on? So that's something that they have a lot of angst about, uh, uh, maybe even some fear and anxiety around that. So we do video debriefs. We examine this dilemma. And what I'm finding time and time again is that leaders find that this dilemma is more of an illusion 
and that they do not have to figure out who they must show up as today, evaluator or coach, but rather take on a coaching mindset in their work. And that just changes the way that the leader communicates with teachers. So whether they're debriefing a class video, looking at exemplars with a teacher, co-planning or uh, reviewing their evaluations with them, uh, in every conversation, it should have a certain texture to it. And I would call that a coaching texture or just a way that you're communicating to help them, like I've said, increase their awareness and increase their clarity on next steps. So um, every conversation can be reflective and can be goal-oriented. It doesn't matter if you're um, formally serving as a coach or you're formally in an evaluation. You should be engaged in a coach-like conversation. So that is going to be one area. Um, uh, I'd say another area that's pretty common uh, – that I've seen is when I'm working with coaches, uh, a lot of coaches became coaches because they were great teachers, right? They, they got, they got results as a teacher. They didn't necessarily go through any uh, special training to be a coach. So it, it stands to reason that anyone that gets recognized for doing great work in a classroom to work with other adults on how they are doing in their classroom they're probably going to tell them, do what I did. So they're going to be advice givers to try to create little mini-me's uh, to help them uh, be more effective. And, of course, adults don't learn that way. Uh, the, their intention is always good. But when I can work with a coach and help them uh, develop an awareness that they are uh, directing the conversation, setting goals for the teacher – Doing most of the talking, these are things that are going to um, push a teacher away. So when they see it, they it doesn't take it doesn't take much for uh, someone who cares about educators, cares about teachers, to make a quick pivot. Next thing you know, they're asking more questions and they're doing less talking. They're they're providing the teacher some autonomy uh, in terms of where would you like to go next. Uh, What's the lowest hanging fruit that we can pick right now that's going to really make a big impact in the next three weeks? Uh, that kind of thing. So uh, just help administrators uh, understand that they're having a coaching conversation every time they're speaking to a stakeholder and just helping coaches see that they don't need to give answers. They just need to help build a teacher's capacity to have more awareness and more clarity. I think that just as powerful as anything right there, the whole thing that it's not really about giving answers. It's about assisting. So that's it. I, I think that's awesome. The, uh, you know, one of the things I've got to uh, um, talk about here is that, you know, in the last bunch of years and yeah, we've also had this thing called COVID in the, in the middle of it too, which <laughs> is, is no little thing, but it, right. at the same time, um, you know, We've had this, we've had a pretty good sized teacher attrition rate that happened, was happening mm -hmm. before COVID. And of course it kind of picked up a little steam with COVID, but, uh, you know, how, how does what you do play a part in the solution of, uh, the teacher attrition? What do you think? Yeah. First is identifying, you know, why are teachers leaving? And there's been several studies of exit surveys of teachers when they leave the field. 
and the Learning Policy Institute back in 2016 did a study. There's probably been several more since then, but they've shown that uh, the lack of administrative support was a big reason why they left. And uh, I know that's hurtful uh, for, for an administrator to hear, uh, but what does that look like? So an administrator might say, well, I, I've been here every day trying to you know, support my teachers. What does that look like? It's the professional learning opportunities. It's about instructional leadership opportunities. It's about time to collaborate and plan with their colleagues. It's about the opportunity to have these collegial rich conversations that help everyone be, be better. Uh, having some input and in decision-making in terms of what can we do next to help improve student achievement. So uh, for me, the virtual coaching platform being job embedded as it is, really helps develop instructional leaders. It helps uh, teams come together and engage in a professional learning community, a true professional learning community uh, where they build their skills, both as a team and as individuals. Um, they engage in these meaningful collegial conversations around the videos that they upload and what they're noticing um, with student work and, uh, you know, have the, be empowered to make the decisions uh, in order to, move the work forward. It's complex. Change is complex. Uh, students are complex because they're human beings. So what we did five years ago is not going to work now. What we did six months ago may not work with this particular group of students today. So um, uh, I've heard Steve Barkley say, you know, we need to develop a hypothesis. So having a professional learning community around in a virtual platform, developing a hypothesis about what should we try next to help uh, move these students. And that is something that administrators could do and they could do easily using a, a platform like this. Um, and then one other thing is there's, you know, equity is a big deal. Uh, in education right now. And we know that there's some inequities. There's been research with Economic Policy Institute, as well as the New Teacher Center, both in 2019, one showing that high poverty schools had most of the new teachers. Uh, there's also another study that showed that there was an inequitable distribution of new teachers with Black and Latinx students. So look, every student deserves a great teacher. And Every great teacher deserves a uh, every teacher deserves a great professional learning and professional development opportunity, and that's something that Sydney and in virtual coaching offers. Very nice, very nice. It, you know, it's uh, it's it's rough because it's you know it you know teaching is hard, <laughs> and uh, and having that support is important because uh, mm -hmm. there's so many different aspects of it that can uh, you know be frustrating if you don't have that ability to uh, have someone give you feedback that's not um, meant to, uh, you know, that's actually meant to help you see what you're doing um, mm -hmm. has got to be uh, um, important as well as just having that, uh, being able to have those, those coaches to talk with you about uh, what's going on and so forth is, is huge because too often, you know, just as a note, uh, I'm not, all super far back, but, uh, you know, there was electricity and there were power cars and, you know, but it, um, but, but, you know, I was my first teaching assignment. I was like, uh, here are the keys, here's the books and, uh, good luck, you know, and, uh, and I'm not far off from the truth because it's literally like, mm -hmm. you know, here's your classroom and here's your stuff. And, uh, and, uh, we'll see at some point. 
Yeah. And that, that's similar to mine as well. You know, and that type of thing is, is one of those things that even though I was all excited and ready to teach and all that, you know, it's, it, if you're not ready to deal with, uh, with the different types of personalities that you have in that classroom and uh, the many different aspects that you're trying to help them, uh, you know, achieve uh, their, their dreams and their goals. And, you know, it's, it's difficult and uh, you can find, uh, you know, that you're uh, needing to find some place to, you know, just kind of <laughs> find a corner to cry in type thing. And I, I, I don't say that being funny. I say that being uh, serious, you know, it's uh, whether it's crying or whether it's going outside and yelling at the sky. <laughs> so um, having that support to help you get through that is so important. Well, Stephen, I'd like to add also, you know, you, you mentioned teachers are working hard. And of course, as you know, you were an administrator, uh, it, being an administrator is really hard. In fact, there's been a lot of studies on just administrators and school principals, and it's just, it's not a very sustainable job, but uh, they care about what they do and they want to help teachers. So what I want the listeners to recognize is that really from my experience and the experience of my colleagues at Sydney and other consultants, three to six meetings, just 20 minutes each can get results. So when you have a focused, small, targeted, relevant, high leverage strategy that supports a teacher's goals, it does not take long to get a little movement on that small goal and then make it an iterative process. And so um, within a short time, teachers are getting a lot of uh, there, there's impact and positive results that's uh, building their efficacy and uh, starting to change the culture uh, in the school. That's excellent, especially to have that impact uh, that quickly. Because just as a note, as a principal, you know, there were times when I discovered that, uh, and thanks to a, a friend who drove the golf cart around the campus, uh, who reached out to me and said, you know, if ever you need a timeout, I don't have to talk to you. I just, just call me on the radio and I'll come pick you up and take it for a, a drive and then I'll take you back when you're ready to go back. And, you know, it's funny. That worked tremendously because I discovered that I really needed a timeout. Sometimes... Uh, I told people, I said, if you see me in the golf cart, I'm not having fun. I'm just, out, I, I've removed myself from the room because <laughs> I'm snipping at people. And, you know, and I, getting mm -hmm. back to your point, I think that, you know, being able to show an impact like that in a shorter period mm -hmm. of time is, is powerful in both worlds. So good stuff. I, you know, one of the things I've heard you that you've talked about is cultivating psychological safety. Mm -hmm. um, what is it and why is this important to you? Why would you talk about it? Yeah, so I think a lot of the listeners may remember or have heard a little bit about a Google study. Uh, it was called Project Aristotle back in 2016, where Google spent a couple of years and lots of money and resources uh, looking at about 180 teams, trying to figure out what makes teams successful because it was just seemed to be haphazard. They came up with five reasons. Uh, the top two were one, psychological safety, and two, uh, voice equity and voice equity as important as it is was a distant second. So psychological safety is very, very important. And it was, um, it was the phrase psychological safety was coined by Amy Edmondson, uh, Harvard professor. And, um, so I would say, uh, it, it it's just, it's this idea of being able to show and engage oneself without fear of any negative consequences of their 
the way people see them or their status or their career, if you have any fear about your job and how people see you on your job, uh, it's going to be hard to show up and be your best because you uh, have a limited bandwidth and you're spending a considerable amount of your mental resources trying to protect yourself. So psychological safety is very important if for no other reason, just to relax people so that they can actually make a valuable contribution and uh, change the way, uh, change the trajectory of student achievement. So I mentioned a few group, a couple people there. One is Dr. Tim Clark in some of his more recent work on psychological safety that for me has really made this idea very salient for leaders. Uh, but, I, you know, I mentioned a little bit about why it's important, but it's also important because of other research. We, I think we've all heard of John Hattie and his meta-analysis, his synthesis of meta-analyses and um, this idea of collective teacher efficacy as being uh, one of the biggest, if not the biggest influencer of student achievement. So that's the idea that if we believe we can make a difference, we will actually make a difference in the lives and in the uh, performance of students in the classroom. But collective teacher efficacy involves adults coming together and collaborating. And collaborating requires sharing, uh, having conversations, and having collegial conversations as opposed to congenial. So collegial is going to be those uh, tough conversations with productive struggle so that we can work through this difficulty uh, that we call teaching and learning. So there's no better way to help a team be able to do that than to cultivate psychological safety. And I like the way Tim Clark puts it. There's four levels of psychological safety. The first uh, and most important being inclusion safety making sure that everyone on a team, everyone on a staff, every stakeholder, uh, to whatever team they happen to be on, they feel included. They are a part of that team. Then there's learner safety. They feel safe to learn, safe to fail, safe to grow. And then once they've learned, then the third level is safety to contribute. They want to have their ideas. Uh, they want to share their ideas with their team. They want to make a valuable contribution. And then finally, the highest level, which requires the greatest amount of psychological safety, is um, challenger safety. So the ability to challenge the status quo, not, not as a disruptor uh, in a negative way, but rather as a disruptor in a positive way. So um, what we are doing now is not getting it. So we need to make some innovative changes in the way that we're meeting or working or the ideas that we're implementing. Uh, so it's good to be, have colleagues come together and have these tough conversations. So for me, psychological safety is number one. Very cool. I love it. The Because uh, from all aspects, as a note, I mean, as a former uh, high school principal, um, you know, you wanted to be allowed to have um, that sort of safety where if you're going to push forward and try and change the environment or something like this, that uh, the people who've asked you to do that understand what that means. <laughs> so you have the, the that uh, you're not now not on that branch with somebody sawing behind you, you know, that type of thing. Um, for the classroom teacher, when if you're in in that principal's school, you want the principal to 
understand that uh, support the idea of of you trying to figure out how to get the kids engaged and excited about what they're doing and which that means that takes you know you got to have that feeling that uh, you're okay doing that too that someone's not going to come along and say you know that's very nice but uh, does it follow this 15 page guideline of how I expect you to do your class mm. <laughs> And, uh, you know, and, and then there's the psychological safety of the student themselves. You know, am I going to get chewed yes. out because I found a different way to do this math problem or something, you know, or, or uh, history or whatever. So, uh, um, you know, it's, um, it's, it fits in all those different categories. Absolutely. Yeah. Very important for students and in the classroom as well. Yeah. So much so. I, so I got to ask you, I mean, how does a, how does a school or school system or teacher get started using SIBME? Is this, is this something that an individual does or is it something that, that a school system um, or, or, or an individual school have to start with? Yeah. Usually the, the uh, administrator, you know, at the local school level uh, schools will do it on their own. Uh, some districts will take on an initiative and engage and involve uh, local schools. So it can happen at different levels. Um, but I would say any anyone who's interested to get more information about it, you know, one way to do it is you just go to Sydney.com and you can do a free demo for 30 days. So you and your team can get in there and just say, what is this all about? So then, then if you are reaching out uh, to someone who's an influencer or someone who's making the decisions about how to spend money, you could communicate effectively, you know, what this is actually, uh, what it can do for them and their team. Um, the other is to book a demonstration. And so they'll jump on a call with you, uh, and just go through some of the bells and whistles to really help you understand how, what this would look like in your context with the goals that you have for you and your teachers or your, uh, school. Um, you could also go there. If you go on to Sydney.com, you can also see that there is, you know, individual coaching, there's team coaching, there's leadership coaching. And if you click on any of those, you can leave your information. So leave your contact information. Somebody's going to get in touch with you and uh, find a time to walk through all that information with you. So there, different levels of the organization can definitely tap in and find out more about it. Uh, and then, you know, the ones that make the decisions about how to spend their money can do that. And it's money well spent. I'll tell you that. That is excellent. Thank you. And John, before we close, could you just let everyone know uh, um, where they could connect and learn more? Yeah. Uh, about Sydney or? Uh, about Sydney and about you. Oh, okay. Yeah. So please go to Sydney.com and that's where you can find information about Sydney. Again, you can get that free demo. You can get, uh, find out, uh, leave your contact information. Somebody reach out. Uh, if you're interested in reaching out to me and I'll be happy to talk to you about Sydney and I'm also a consultant and be happy to work with you. You can go to johnwilliscoaching.com. And if I can, I'm going to say, Stephen, you're, you're the man when it comes to podcasts, you've got, uh, you, you've been in the game for quite a while. You've got a lot of episodes, so I'm, I'm sticking my toe in the water. So this fall, I'm going to release my podcast called The Teaming Edge, and this is a podcast that's focused on education leaders and the actions they take to support team and school performance. So I've interviewed folks like Dr. Jenny Donahue, Dr. Jane Kesey, Steve Barkley, several others. So I'm excited to release that. So look for that, theteamingedge.com, johnwilliscoaching.com. You can get more information about that. Awesome, awesome. And, and good luck with all of that. The podcast world is welcome 
welcoming you. Thank you. So <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that, Stephen. Good stuff. So, John, this has been great talking with you about Sydney and about your own consulting and what's going on. And and uh, before you go, I got two last questions I'd like to ask my guests. And the first one goes like this: How do you keep going when so much is going on that you may want to quit? Mm. Well, I'm a marathon runner, so I run several marathons. I've run uh, the Boston Marathon, the New York City Marathon. I've got uh, um, Chicago coming up in the fall. So the reason I mention that is, boy, there's nothing like running 50 to 70 miles a week in training to really learn about yourself. And so one thing that is motivating to me is to have a goal. So I may have a time goal, and I'm working for – 18, 20 weeks to reach that time goal. But think about 18 or 20 weeks, 50 to 70 miles a week, uh, all for that one moment where everything has to come together. The chances of actually hitting that goal may or may not be that great. So I have learned that I have to enjoy the process. So for me, running a marathon is about the process, the process of uh, self-reflection, finding out what I'm made of, the grit and perseverance uh, and you just learn a lot about yourself when you're out on the road. Well, education for me is the same way. You know, we have goals that are very motivating. So we want to see students achievement increase. We want to see the uh, achievement gap uh, close. Uh, So these are some powerful goals that are very exciting and very motivating to keep us moving. So we've got something that we're working towards and we don't always see results on those things for a while. Right. So it may take time to get there. So, if we don't embrace the process, then we might quit. So for me, both in running and in education, in the work that I do, it's about the process. It's about the conversations. Um, that, and that's what I hope that other people fall in love with as well as the process. Process over product, I say. Product will take care of itself. Excellent. Excellent. And last question. Do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? If so, who was it? And what would you say if given the chance to say thank you? Mm. So for me, I was in the band for four years in high school. I played snare and quads, uh, loved marching band. That was an exciting time. And uh, Gene Inglis was our band director. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Inglis. I appreciate (laughs) it. I don't even know how much he liked me or how much I liked him. He worked us so hard. He would just make me so mad, but I appreciated uh, the idea of teamwork, accountability, excellence, community, pride. And these are elements that I take with me in my, uh, my coaching work today. That's too cool. I like that. I like that a lot. As a former band person here, I'm a trumpet player and uh, uh, marching band was my all time favorite. There's nothing like the, yes. the sound or any of that. It's just, it's just, it's just so cool. Um, but oh, good stuff. Uh, John, it was awesome talking with you. Sydney is an incredible tool. Love the focus on helping teachers and uh, wishing you the very best in all you do. Stephen, thank you very much. It was a pleasure being here. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is excited to be a member of Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. The opinions expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions for classroom teachers and school administrators. 
Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll share it with your friends. Thank you.